We're all gathered here today to listen to a dwarf cast by Ganymede and Titan. Start the tape, please, Holly. Awoga, this is a dwarf cast. Hello and welcome to the Ganymede and Titan Dwarfcast Woman Special the Third. This is the section in which we answer any Red Dwarf or otherwise related topics suggested by you, our loyal listeners slash readers, except stretched out to fill a whole podcast because we're that self-satisfied <laughs> and feel that you need to know all our opinions on everything. Because we've already done the trapped in a lift bottle episode thing, so we have to do something else. <laughs> I am Ian Symes, and the voice you just heard was Jonathan Capps. Hello, you're welcome. And the slightly poorly and likely to deteriorate voice is Danny Stevenson. Hello. <laughs> Fred. If anyone needs any voiceover work, I am not available. And so we have a lovely stack of waffles here that have been submitted. Although, it has to be said that when I put the call out on Twitter for fresh waffles it got slightly derailed by Capsie's arse uh, and most of the suggestions for topics that we've got are to do with Capsie's arse I'm sorry so we asked on Twitter uh, what you'd like us to discuss Jonathan Caps replied my arse Altie Fletcher replied Capsie's arse and Richie Hackett uh, which member of the cast would do the best job voicing Capsie's arse Danny so th- there's our first topic <laughs> It's the one that talks the most shit. <laughs> hey! Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's confusing. Which member of the cast? The dwarf cast. <laughs> um, I would say Robert's Sparehead 3 voice. 100%. I yeah. mean, yeah, 100%. Is it Yorkshire? Is it Lancashire? We just don't know. <laughs> it's an arse on the fence. <laughs> arse on the Pennines. That is definitely an ITV Sunday regional program. <laughs> a detective inspector arse. <laughs> Solving crimes to do with hills. Between Leeds and Manchester. <laughs> what was the other suggestion that we had on Twitter? Oh yeah, it was Stephen Fletcher suggested Danny doing his Mr. Rap voice for Caps's arse. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. Danny the performing monkey at this point. <laughs> no, I think I think it might mean Danny. No, it's in Danny John Jules. Oh right, I see. Oh, I genuinely thought you meant our Danny because no, no. he does a no, he I, does I, a really I, good Mr. Rat voice. Yeah. I wonder what Brian Blessed would say. Like I do as well. <laughs> Fucking hell. Yeah. <laughs> this well, never know. I wonder what Brian Blessed sounds like with a chest infection. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, exactly. That's spot on, mate. Yeah, that's it. So oh, oh, genius. Proper method. Genius. Proper method. Proper method, I tell thee. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Enough. Enough of my arse. <laughs> I've been saying that for 20 years. <laughs> Man and boy. Oh, fuck. It is almost 20 years. <laughs> An actual question from Polymorph2, at Polymorph2. Uh, would they like to see an episode being made that includes them coming face-to-face with all the top villains throughout the whole series of Red Dwarf? And again, like, do we take this as meaning us coming face-to-face with all the top Ooh, villains yes. from Red Dwarf? I think they say, would they, meaning us, like to see an episode being made that includes them, i.e. the cast, coming face-to-face? <laughs> yes. I think that's how I'm reading that question. Now, that is and not is... a bad... 
That's Sorry. quite a cool. It's a sort of multiverse thing, isn't it? Well, it's almost like a certain film that's come out in in the cinemas that's 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 not potentially spoilery. Waffleman. <laughs> Waffleman, Waff- no Waffleman the yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Ian, we sold the right, so we haven't <laughs> told you. Um, Although, but, do you know what? If you like, I think we had the question about who would we see return as a as a villain. Have we had that question before? Yeah, because I, I think know, the Inquisitor actually. could easily like make that happen. If you know what I mean? Oh right, yeah. Because it's sort of like the Inquisitor is the one person who has the power to sort of rewrite a timeline. So essentially, he could essentially undo. The work that's been undone, if you know what I mean. That's an amazing like concept for an anniversary. You know, the uh, and for anyone who doesn't know, anniversaries are the things that fans celebrate, but the show doesn't. Um, <laughs> anniversaries uh, are sort of special milestones in time where yeah. people actually realise that you know a show's been going on for so long, but production yeah. companies since, don't give a shit about since ten years, <laughs> since the ten year one. Yeah, fuck all. But um, the, the so the the you know it's an hour and a half special. You got the Inquisitor. At the start, and it's kind of around that concept. You know, you have a bit of a bottle show, you have a few clips, but you also have, you know, Gordon Kennedy coming back, and you know, as many as many villains as you can do. You'd probably want to do ones that, that aren't special effects focused because we have seen the <laughs> the results of trying to bring back the polymorph uh, in a physical form, which is basically <laughs> a dead squid lying on the floor. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, get like Gordon Kennedy, get um, Legion, um, which could be anyone, yeah. but yes, voice yeah. by Nigel Williams. Yeah. Yep, and Hoagie. Oh yeah. For oh sure. mate. I mean, is he a villain really? <laughs> no, but he could be the. He wants well, to be a villain. I'm picturing it as like, yeah, this is very much a Doctor Who anniversary. Bad guy of the week. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, the five Doctors specifically has <laughs> shit, just shit loads of of all the biggest monsters and villains at that point. But yeah, I was thinking about like. The definition of villain in Red Dwarf, I don't think there was really many villains until quite late on. I suppose you could count Confidence and Paranoia perhaps as unintentional yeah. villains, but sort of like, uh, I wouldn't even say they, because they're not ultimately bad, it's just that they're sort of, their philosophies are a bit skewed. It's more interesting than that. So, the first villain villain, I mean, you could argue it was Polymorph, because that's the first yeah. kind of creature, but I wouldn't call it a villain, or like, you know, you wouldn't call a lion that gets unleashed, <laughs> you know, into your house as a villain. It's more, it's just, it's just a dangerous that animal. That depends on the lion. You might bite him! Um, if it was Scar, then I would. Yeah, but if well, it was yeah, Mufasa, true. then it's just part of the course. Here's a question. What was Scar called before he got his Scar? <laughs> Plain. <laughs> so, in our pre-show... Uh, we we were talking about <laughs> nicknames, like the shit origins of nicknames, like Jimmy Nail because he stood on a nail, um, <laughs> like literally that is why he's called Jimmy Nail. So like yeah, old 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 nice scar scar right. cunt, <laughs> <laughs> and he just he couldn't shake it after that. But yeah, the first villain villain is Hudson, isn't it? Really, like yeah, yes, a malicious a malicious. Yeah, intent. I guess. Yeah, first outsider who acts maliciously towards the 
the crew. Yeah, and then after that, floodgates open. You got the simulant in Justice. You got well, you've got simulants and Gelfs are a kind of overarching. They're the monsters of the Red Dwarf universe. Mm, yeah, thing. they're like you can run into multiple variants of simulants, and they have done <laughs> like mm. sub subsets of simulants, and obviously Gelfs. But you know, in the sort of using Gelf as interchangeable for Kinitawawi sense. They can run into various ones of those. So that, that's a rare example of a recurring villain is the Kinitawawi because they came back in a robberous. Yeah. Yeah, they do. As them. Yeah. Yeah. And like, as well, technically, up. as Begs, but we'll not class that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Begs, Begs are actually fairly decent. Like, uh, it marks a slight shift away from, like, our Gelf language being just Kinitawawi names that Doug yeah. fell into in Seven because... The Begs do seem to have a, a more Kinatawawi style accent, mm. but um, but thinking of villains as well, you know, like villains from within the cast, we could have Hollow Virus Rimmer for sure. Have we got Rimmer in many pretty forms, easy. Though. We could, yeah. yeah. Maybe don't bring back Low Rimmer, like just let that one sit in the nineties. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, what else? The Lows, yeah. Although Lister with his mean English sex. <laughs> I'm sure pink cushion down the side. <laughs> you could have me squared Rimmer, Rimmer two. He's a real cunt. Like, yeah, it's really weird because Rimmer has actually had like more personifications of villainry in yeah. Red Dwarf than probably, especially Is... even in um, Officer Rimmer. Yeah, the monster, with the monster with the sort of the thing creature, like self-loathing beast in Terraform is a version of Rimmer that's a baddie as well. And the, oh, unfortunately, the self-loathing Rimmer with the big fucking arc carved into his face in Time Wave, but, which actually oh, was yeah. a really effective villain. Good, good visual, a, good performance. Yeah. yeah, shame about the episode. <laughs> yeah, that's, that'd be, yeah, have that villain turn up in a good episode and I'm all for it. Like the Inquisitors, like, I don't know, take takes them through all their old encounters and, like, points out things. They, they end up killing all, all these villains, but, like, maybe pointing out that they shouldn't have done or something. I don't know. Yeah, the consequences of them killing, like, Big Finish would be all over that. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> like, right, I take it back. I take it back. <laughs> but no, yeah, that would be the kind of... Yeah, you've put in mind yeah, Genesis oh. of the Daleks, basically, yeah. where the Doctor goes back in time to the creation of the Daleks and has the opportunity to stop them from existing but decides not to because of the effect it would have on causality. So yeah, exploring what happened as a consequence of the Dwarfers defeating the Simulants or the Polymorph or the whoever. Not that there would be many consequences considering that the human race is extinct anyway. (laughs) They're in deep space. (laughs) Apart from the odd ones that fall through time holes. Yeah. Mm. Or time waves. Well, actually, yeah, like I, I scoffed at the big finish idea there, but if, as we are wont to do talking about Rob Grant's Butsky, if you're going to do an audio production, then actually, yeah, something like that, something backwards looking, something that you can kind of easily manage in audio than you can visually, because, like, getting the special effects together to get as many different monsters from yeah. Red Dwarf's past would be too much of a challenge, I would think. Because all those costumes would have rotted away somewhere by now. But. Yeah, possibly in Jez's house. <laughs> yes, very house. possibly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Gordon Kennedy would probably end up producing it, so he's there. Good point, <laughs> he, could, yeah. he could be Hudson. And that would be his spin-off sitcom they wanted, so, you know. Yeah, <laughs> everyone's happy. Everyone's happy. So, 
to answer the question, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but not? I think at this stage, you could alter the question to, would you like to see an episode being made? Yeah. And the answer <laughs> yes. is yes. <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> at this point, I'll take... I'll take Doug's weird copyright avoiding yeah. out of the red episode, like right now. Someone, well, at the time of recording, it's just gone a year since the news broke about the legal dramas oh, and everything. Bloody hell, yeah! And we've had <laughs> nothing since. Yeah, there's been, there's been no updates on that since um, Rob and Paul's response to it a couple of days later at um, Hollyhop. I should say, actually, so the charity quiz that they did um, um, the other week, uh, in which, by the way, I donated and asked a question and was completely ignored for both. (laughs) I am writing an angry letter in green ink right now. I have retracted the offer of a charity donation. (laughs) In fact, I'm stealing money from the charity as we speak. But at the end, I wasn't there for the end. However, Captain Bollocks said... Uh, on our Ganymede and Titan website. There'll probably be another one, this is what they've said, uh, with Rob Grant's great mate Doug Naylor at some point. So that suggests to me that they're organising something with Doug. Or, well, may- maybe maybe the, the guy that ran the stream is doing something, but it sounds to me, you know, like he's not being blocked from doing Red Dwarf relevant stuff, you know? So mm. I wonder if there's some movement there. It is weird, isn't it? It's, it's all very weird. Mm. <sighs> sort it out. If there's going to be, like, destructive legal action being taken that could jeopardise the whole future of the show, could you at least give us a bit of drama to, like, get excited about and follow? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think my thinking on it as well is, like, this might well be the end and that's it. Like, The Promised Land was the last ever Red Dwarf, but I'd rather know if that was the case. And so we can come to terms with that and move on and like thing is if neither party want it to end then you're never going to know that are you that's the thing it's going to just continue until someone and neither neither party does want it to end the fact that they're both fighting means that they still want it to exist which is I don't think they'll ever give it closure like that because until like until mortality makes it impossible let's say you know one way or another I don't think anyone's going to say, yeah, we're not doing Red Dwarf anymore, because I don't think it's that sort of thing. I think it will always Yeah, I think it's quite damaging, sort of publicity-wise, to do that as well. Yeah, I think it is, yeah. It's a bit like Valve and Half-Life. They would never say, we're never making Half-Life again, because... They just keep it open, is the question. They keep it open, and... Why, why would you, why would yeah. you... It doesn't do you any good to say, we're not going yeah, to do exactly, this Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. But it's frustrating for fans, because fans yeah. want, want to know where they stand with something that they invest in. Yeah, true. But I don't care. We're doing we're doing commentaries about other shows now. So fuck you. <laughs> the annoying thing is that it seems like both parties agree on what they want, <laughs> which is that Red Dwarf should continue, and that Doug should write and direct and produce TV episodes. I don't really know what the sticking point is, other than the sticking point is how are they going to do it? That's the that's the yeah. sticking point. It's not the it's not the, the, the sticking the point is also you know the makeup of the company and the directorship of the company and whatnot but in t- but to in its most basic thing of how it affects red dwarf it shouldn't affect red dwarf but it obviously does mm. because nothing can happen while this is still unresolved but the annoying thing is that regardless of what needs resolving the one thing that doesn't need resolving is the desire for Doug to make more red dwarf 
if you see what I mean. Yep, yep. If they could just have some sort of interim agreement where <laughs> they're like, let's continue to fight over the company, but in the meantime, you're free just to keep just keep making Red on Dwarf. Me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. But then that wouldn't work because making you Red Dwarf brings into sharp focus the topic that this is almost certainly primarily about, and that's money. Mm, and who yes. gets how much yeah. and so they can't make Red Dwarf until they sort that most basic thing out which it was made obvious last year that this is about money because Doug said he wasn't paid and yeah. it's just as simple as that isn't it? it's sort of like saying um, while I'm on bail for this crime I should be able to do other crimes such, such as appearing <laughs> on Big Break <laughs> Time Wave <laughs> <laughs> We went off piece there, but didn't we. But yeah, it, yeah, we would like to see an episode being made that includes all the top villains mm. throughout the history of Red Dwarf, uh, or as a push, an episode that doesn't involve that, but just is an episode. Yeah. yeah. Moving on then, Spiderweb asks, "Please, could you investigate what would happen if you tied a piece of toast butter side up to the back of a cat and dropped it?" Um. So I've I've done the research and now I have terrible lacerations all over my face there is an advert actually that actually sort of like looks at this question because a guy drops a piece of bread on the floor and he ties it to the back of a cat and it just turns into this horrendously powerful <laughs> dynamo that he puts into his washing machine and it powers his entire house <laughs> link in the show notes <laughs> if only we had enough cats and enough slices of toast we could solve the climate change crisis is it is it the thing that cats never land on their back or cats will always land on their feet it's cats always land on their feet and butter always lands uh, uh butter face down so if you land if you put the butter face up on the cat what would happen but the but the the butter toast presumably if it's sentient <laughs> um will will land Which almost categorically is. but but aside down yeah, because no. of sod's law yeah. Okay, so it's well, nothing to do with because the bread's heavier on one side, but yeah, go on. But it's right. The cat's heavier, so the cat will just land on its feet. The cat will land on its feet, and it will be incredibly annoyed that it has a bit of toast strapped to its back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that's a fair point. The, the The cat is way heavier than the toast, so yeah. therefore, what happens if you have multiple pieces? Of, like, what if you have toast? an equivalent weight of the cat of toast? A cat's worth. A cat's worth of toast. <laughs> That is not only the weight, but also the shape, the shape of, the dimensions of the cat. And all of the all of the underside is completely butter butter sodden. I love the idea of a cat's worth of toast. Like that's an actual measurement. Cat's worth of toast and half a pan of beans. It's half a pan. Of... <laughs> so cats land on their feet um, for survival. Like that, they have evolved to be survive from great falls and like land on their feet. Mm-hmm. Um, Toast falling butter side down is just like it toast being a prick, right? Or like may, maybe it's <laughs> slightly unbalanced. Oh, do you think it's because of the, the, the weight imbalance? That's why it always... I, yeah. I think it's to do with the weight and also... Oh, God, this is going to be such a boring it's answer, a slight one. It's more about the fact that when you drop something off a plate at the height at which a plate would normally be held, the toast okay. doesn't have time to turn around two turns before it hits the floor. Right, so that's it really spins specific. down, and by the time gravity's taken effect, it's hit the floor already. If you if you threw it from a higher height, I think that the odds are better it would land butter side up. But because it's just that height, particularly, that yeah. gives it a bias. Okay. Why the fuck are we talking about toast? 
<laughs> we said we'll talk about any waffle, any waffle. Not that's not toast, my but theory. Waffle. I need to do some tests. <laughs> we need to get a toaster and a tower block. Is what we need to do. <laughs> And toast. we need to go to all the balconies <laughs> on the different floors of the tower block. The toaster and tower block is my favourite pub, actually. There was a, a fact about cats. Cats have been like, there's been studies where cats that have fallen out of balconies on like third and fourth floors have had injuries, but anything after the seventh floor, they're actually like, there's less injuries because the cat has time to right itself before mm. it hits the floor and has time to mm. correct its, correct its, um, its spinning. So yeah, they've actually got like because you see the tail spinning when the when you know when, when most people launch a cat out of a window. What like they hover down like tails? Yeah, they, <laughs> but their tail spinning sort of like a gyro to kind of keep them steady. But yeah, I've I, yeah I just don't remember there was a statistic from um, I think RSPCA about that. Cats yeah. Getting, uh, what? So the RSPCA say if you're gonna chuck a cat out the window, <laughs> make sure you do it. Seven Look, knowing knowing, above, knowing yeah. the RSPCA, they probably just like conducted this research themselves on cats that were gonna put down anyway. <laughs> That's potentially the tidious, mate. We can't say that. <laughs> fucking can. Fucking fucking Blue Cross Army. <laughs> <laughs> I feel a bit dirty saying that. It sounded a bit too close to. <laughs> Birmingham City, never mind. <laughs> oh. What was I gonna say? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Thing is, is it is it toast or is it just bread? Because I thought toast would be lighter. Yes, yeah. you've got rid of all the water content. Out. You're, you're you're removing That's mass true. from it, <clears throat> you've but you replaced you're... it with crust. <laughs> yes, <laughs> crust is added afterwards. <laughs> But well, this is uh, this joke of like the, this this levitation machine or whatever. This is like I, I encountered this at school. I think it was one of like my mate Gavin's favourite jokes. Is it in the log? Craig Charles's the log. Ah, oh, probably. I seem to remember that it is. Uh, Can you imagine well in a book full of stolen jokes whether this this was actually <laughs> the only original one they invented and it's become the. I've just found an answer from BBC Science, and it says the explanation is the toast goes over the edge of the plate, it starts to rotate, but as the spin rate is too slow to bring the butter side upmost again by the time the toast hits the floor, fucking boom. That is exactly what happens. <laughs> I was right. I am so happy. I, I, like, I had full confidence that, that, would, <laughs> that you would be right about that. That's very cool. I thought you were going to say that they were going to tell us what the origin of the, the joke <laughs> yeah, or whether it was in the log. There is also there is also a Wikipedia page dedicated to the buttered toast phenomenon. <laughs> link in the show notes. <laughs> link, link, link in the show notes. <laughs> My memory is that it's in the log somewhere, but I'm not I'm not going to sit here and read the whole thing. Okay. Someone will know. Someone. someone That's for the book club. We're not doing the log. We're not doing the log. <laughs> We're not doing the log. <clears throat> Apart from anything else, there's nine uh, parts. <laughs> right. So I think we answered the question I've about had the toast. Absolutely. Spot on. So Milo Scat asks, in a disappointingly on-topic question, <laughs> what new merch would you most want to see? I've got a feeling we have done a similar one yeah. before. We may have answered but this question never before, mind. but I can never remember whether... It would have been in the context of us whinging about how bad the merch has been. So this could maybe be a bit more <laughs> yeah. of a positive. Uh, An thing. opportunity, yeah. yeah. To forget what's all what's come before. 
all what's coming. Reprints of old designs and some new ones. I just like the idea of like really minimalistic design of t-shirts. I really mm-hmm. like those kind of, and it's it, it's weird because like normally I'd be like, there's something about text on a t-shirt that really drives me up the fucking wall. I don't know what it is. It just kind of feels quite voyeuristic to look at someone's t-shirt and read what's on their clothes. Yeah, excuse, <laughs> excuse, sorry, I'm just reading your text. Just give me a second. <laughs> if I'm just, blind. Can I have you a just feel? have a <laughs> blind. Well, I know what you mean. And also, you know, if only the show maybe had like a wealth of incredibly high quality um, graphic design work that had been done for it in recent years that could be mm. translated onto t-shirts yeah there's just loads of like potential good like iconography that is that Red Dwarf has built over the last you know 30 years that they could easily dip into for t-shirt ideas Mm. and t-shirt designs and like maybe not posters it's kind of a fallen out of favour really haven't they prints maybe but I was going to say like um, merchandise is in a weird spot at the moment because like tie-in books are kind of over like you do get the odd tie-in book of like spring book that's yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you know what? Fucking hell. Do you know what? I would like a. I would like a series of script books yeah. that are the basically the kind of the definitive the like. Thank you. Yes. The definitive archive. Fucking, absolutely of everything, and then yeah. it, then then it's Annotated. all it's all down in print and it's done. Yeah. yeah. Scans of like production documents and and whatnot. Yeah. That go along. Basically, it. series eight book High done for the rest of the series. For the rest of the that's, series, that's the level. Yeah. That'd be lovely to. Um, every series, they need to complain about how they had the same budget as um, another sitcom from the same year. Yeah, <laughs> um, we had the same budget <laughs> as Step Two and Son. Did you remember that? That's weird. We had the same budget as Happy Families Series Two. <laughs> <laughs> that's Very the sort of jokes you get with us. <laughs> if there was only going to be one script book though and Doug obviously has to let this go from from being clutched to his chest it would certainly be a movie script book the movie yeah. just put a ribbon on the fucker it's not going to happen if it does then it's likely going to be a different script at this point because the one with the existing script is has already been cannibalized yep. for series 10 to yeah. an extent basically yeah. yeah oh and it could have been for the other series for all we know I was just thinking whether it'd be the same as like you know like the um, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child was like released the screenplay. It's like releasing that as a potential thing with some production photographs and stuff inside it. But yeah, all the, maybe there all should the just be a book about the making maybe. of the movie. That would be a nice thing. Just like a it's a, yeah. it's a story. The in full in story of, of like what you know how shite this process was, and here's maybe two versions of the script. If if there's if there's two versions that are different enough from each other, maybe or just that this is my favourite version of the script. This is the big budget version or something because he said mm. in the past, hasn't he, that they had, you know, a 50 million one, a, a, yeah. a 5 million one. So... He said that, yeah, something. when people talk about the movie script, it makes an assumption that there is only one yep. movie script mm. whereas actually there's multiple. But I put it to you all that we won't get things like that possibly because... Of the precedent that Body Snatcher set, while we don't know any specifics, Body Snatcher is like was the release that was aimed at us, was aimed at the hardcore, and yeah. they didn't exactly sell out because they were all filling a warehouse 
that then got burnt <laughs> down in 2011. That well, I don't know if that was like still supplying shops with them, but like they were, it it, it was it never felt like it was a big success. No. financially despite the fact that artistically it was a triumph so i worry i worry about like i worry that the red dwarf fan base or the specific type of people that will get stuff like this is just not big enough it's a few thousand people well there's always crowdfunding and whatnot oh that's which is, true i'm just thinking that there was recently there was a, a games master book like the definitive story of games master that was funded through kickstarter and if you do it that way, you only need a few thousand people to buy it because you you know you're cutting out so many middlemen, and you're cutting out That's many true. overheads. I think the Red Dwarf script book could easily do Kickstarter and get the funding yeah. required to make it happen. That's basically what Unbound is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Essentially, yeah. Uh, d- does Unbound give you? Uh, oh yeah, I guess it does give you a, an advance, basically, doesn't it? Gives you the money first, and then you make it. Yeah. Rather than I it's not so. it's not just a vanity publisher where you. You only get money yeah. once you're selling them. Yeah, okay, right. Yeah, no, that would be. I mean, script books for sure would just be amazing, like coffee tables, yes. things. Them. Yeah, and obviously, and if they can only do one, my choice would be the complete scripts. Okay, interesting. Interesting. I think I'd still go for movie, just because the gump around the movie script is relatively unknown, whereas. Yeah. The story around the, you know, the scripts that got made is about yeah, as about as known idea, as we're yeah. yeah. But yeah, I'd be happy with anything to be honest, because it means mm-hmm. that Grant Naylor Productions is active and making some money and might be able to continue making shows yeah. at some point. The piece of merchandise I most look want to see is the series fourteen Blu-ray. Series <laughs> fourteen, uh, actually full cast uh, Funko Pops. <laughs> People are always asking for Red Dwarf Funko Pops. Mm. Like, I'm sure that that... That's because would... people have no imagination. <laughs> yeah, and neither do Funko Pops. No. But that, yeah, there must be... Because Funko Pops have done virtually every major franchise other than the ones that are so huge that they've done their own. Yeah. They've got to have approached Grant Naylor at some point. Yeah, yeah. It suggests to me that, you know, the fact that we've not had very much merchandise over the years and what we've had has often been quite substandard and not up to scratch, especially sort of post-90s. There's got to be something funny, <laughs> something mm. weird going on with the fact that you know, you've got people like Funko Pops who have got the capability to very quickly and efficiently turn around merch that makes them and the license holders lots of money. They're bound to have approached Red Dwarf. Yeah, they surely. must have in the office a prototype. I guarantee. I mean, like, you know, yeah. the bobbleheads. Yeah, and but then what? Yeah, you're right, though. Like, I mean, unless they just had, like, I don't know, just a dislike of Funko Pops or didn't. But, like, merchandise wise, I mean, the the merchandise story is one of the main things that you can point to and say Granada Productions is fucking dysfunctional because they've passed up so many opportunities when Red Dwarf was at its height. Like and obviously in the nineties it was doing okay, but it was still just a few fucking t shirts and like a few but it wasn't mm. you know, it was never it was never that you know, and then all, through the two thousands and since the new the new stuff has started, again it's just it's just so basic and and, and the the few attempts they have done they've just got crappy company part to partner with yeah. and they've just done bad jobs. Sometimes it's it's been done where it's like, Oh, thank fuck they've actually put a bit of effort in 
and then they let themselves down by having stupid spelling mistakes and things like that. On. Spelling mistakes, terrible delivery situations. Again, one of the reasons why words are a terrible idea because when it looks wrong, it looks really bad. And when, yeah. you know, better smeg than dead, I mean, that's a really good example, of, which doesn't make any sense as to what <laughs> that even means. And yeah. but obviously, obviously saying better dead than smeg is not a good... No, it's not a good message. So just, but just putting the other quote round doesn't make sense either because that's not the quote. Inspirational <laughs> quote. Better smeg than dead. The point of the whole out of time thing. No, I like what you say. I like t-shirts that, at first glance, you don't necessarily know that they're a red dwarf t-shirt or whatever it might mm-hmm. be. Mm-hmm. So, like the difference between like the Twatit t-shirt, <laughs> for example, which has big bold writing and a big old picture of Lister. And a big old red dwarf logo, which can offend some. That's you know, well, I could give a fuck about t-shirt offending people, but you know, it can be it can be inappropriate, right? Well, there was that thing that some someone got in trouble for picking up their kid from school whilst wearing a twatted t-shirt. Yeah, <laughs> which is probably <laughs> fair enough, right? Yeah, <laughs> but no, what I'm saying is that that's one way of doing t-shirts, and the other is to do something that is like I'm currently wearing one of the official hoodies for the from the series. 11 era web shop well, yeah, and it's, it's just nice. got the little JMC logo with the mountains in the corner and you wouldn't know that this was a Red Dwarf t-shirt unless you it's definitely not a Red Dwarf t-shirt you wouldn't know that it's a Red Dwarf hoodie unless you were paying attention or were a real hardcore Red Dwarf fan who recognises that logo mm. Yeah, yeah. and that is the kind of thing I like and so yeah when you said the graphic designs that have been done in recent years or something that's kind of more iconography rather than pictures of the cast yeah. or, or mm-hmm. big quotes yeah. I'd be I'd be more interested in that as a sort of subtle you're digging into the me. universe of the show which like fans love yeah. that you know like a diva droid logo although there was there was definitely a diva droid t-shirt so, at some point. Um, um, I don't know if there was but I mean like a YM car t-shirt yeah yeah, like, yeah, like yeah these are things that are all just, like just walk around universe. with no top on Danny I'm wearing my MCOR t shirt. Oh, I just, yeah, I just. No, say, yeah. I'm, I'm not wearing my MCOR t shirt. There we go. <laughs> I'm wearing my JMC t shirt. Yeah. <laughs> In an MCOR thing. My head's exploded. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, we say, like, oh, do, do better merchandise, do more merchandise. And I'm looking at that hoodie and I'm like, that's really nice, actually. Although it's weird that it says we're Dwarf 11 on it. That's possibly a bit of a mistake. Yeah. It's the little, little details. Mm. This is the thing that we learned about when we were doing stuff for the fan club is that we realised the sort of the power of not putting numbers on things and not putting things that will date some things. If you put Dimension Jump 95 on something, yes, it shows you were at Dimension Jump 95, but you can't really sell that T-shirt after 95 because it just <laughs> looks like you're just trying to fob off old merch. But if you put anything that's just a symbol or um, mm-hmm. an icon on things, that's when we kind of hit that point of going, oh, shit, this has got longevity. Yeah. We can actually do something more with this. It becomes a, a suite of logos that all represent Dimension Jump, and it just so happens this one was created. Yeah. In this year, but in this it year, still continues to be a it's symbol. Still relevant of year on year. Yeah. It still, yeah, it still works. And that's the thing is, and that's you know, Ian's wearing the other t-shirt with the. Uh, I've just realised I'm wearing a Dimension yeah. t-shirt. And it's wearing, yeah. and there's no date the on it. We've, we, from the most recent one. Yeah, we made a bit of a we made a bit of a house rule after. I think it was. I think it might have been the one with the. Um, it was the one that. It was the one with the the Earth with the the orbit round. It was the first year where we we realised finally realised that putting a date is not good. All right. Yeah, okay. So yeah. So, so yeah. So yeah. So twelve years ago, roughly. Thirteen years ago, Danny. Fuck off. <laughs> it's it, closer to twelve than. 13. Well, yes. It was. It was autumn two thousand nine. It, it was yeah a few months after Back to Earth. Yeah, I just feel like again that like we keep keep going back to this, but 
Whereas Seb and now Curtis are like fine examples of Red Dwarf fans that know their shit, and if they were asked the questions or given the responsibility to spearhead stuff like this, you know, would have mm. done or will do. Like there has not been another Andrew Ellard in that that job has not been filled fully yeah. since Andrew Ellard left, and his job was knowing exactly what shit you should be putting out for fans. And in yeah. terms of knowledge, those people have absolutely existed, but in terms of the yeah, ability exactly. to utilisation, like that, yeah, exactly, yeah. Because Ellard worked five days a week for yeah, many years, t- yeah, yeah, the, like primary he, job. He was a producer. He wasn't. <clears throat> he wasn't yeah. the website editor. Yeah. The website was one of his responsibilities in his yeah. role at Grand Taylor Productions. Sure. Whereas now, and since even even since before he left, because he left that full-time role and continued doing TOS for a number of years whilst forging his career oh, as a yeah, script that's editor. Very true, yeah. So even even while Ellard was doing it, the role changed. Yeah. yeah. Basically after Body Snatcher, I think. Yeah. Roughly speaking, Body Snatcher was the last big hurrah. After the DVD project was exhausted, basically. like There was yeah. literally nothing else they could put out um, until new stuff. Until just a couple of years later when they started making new episodes. Yeah. It's funny how that all worked out. Because yeah. when you look back at it, there was only a very small gap that felt like eons at the time between Body Snatcher and Back to Earth was only two years, two years yeah. but at the time it felt like uh, that shit, that's it, Red Dwarf's dead now, <laughs> they've finished you can <laughs> make an argument DVDs. that the DVDs are the reason, or the, the primary reason why Red Dwarf ended up being made again because they would have shown it was an on, you know, th- that is mm. a way of showing that there is still an active fan base that has money to spend yeah mm. So you show those figures to the advertisers. They kind of plugged the gap when you look at the dates because 99 was Series 8 and they, the DVD started coming out in 2002, so it wasn't that much of a gap. Mm-hmm. Was it 2001? No, it was 2002. Mm. It was the 4th of November 2002. Okay, I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> I know it because it's the 20th anniversary of the DVDs coming up what? this year. Oh, very true. And also the 20th anniversary of GNT. What? And we will be marking both of those occasions in future dwarf casts. Yeah, we will. Stay now, tuned, you fuckers. Stay in June. Stay Ely Bridge is uh, basically. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> a waffle has landed on our desks, uh, labelled From Muppet Jedi. You find yourself in a yesterday situation where you are the only one that knows about Red Dwarf. What does your version of Dwarf look like with full creative control in 2022? So, I presume this is in reference to the Yesterday film where they just wanted to renew all of the Beatles' rights. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The Richard Curtis penned Yesterday where a man a man wakes up and discovers that only he knows. It's basically the Gary Sparrow. I was going to say, yeah, it's fucking... <laughs> Yeah, it's a man wakes up and only he remembers the Beatles, and so he goes and pretends that he's written all the Beatles songs and becomes famous and successful as a musician through selling the Beatles songs, which wouldn't happen, I don't think. Like you'd need the Beatles were were a huge sort of. I've not seen the film, but, <laughs> but the Beatles were so big because of a huge number of factors their songwriting abilities was one of them but the time the place their adaptation of skiffle in rock and roll and the combination of the two to form a whole new sound exactly the right time their look exactly the right time for it was this guy back in 1960 when he really no No, it was it was a modern day man who 
like I think the idea is he starts like humming Yesterday. "Love Me Do" yeah. or something, and then like, oh, what's that? And they've never heard the tune. He'd um, he'd he'd at best make about two hundred pounds a year from streaming rights off of Spotify. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, you, yeah. you kind of need that build up. Like, you need to have like "Please Please Me" and stuff be like massive in the sixties for the Beatles to become big. You can't just say, mm. "Oh, here's Strawberry Fields Forever." Isn't it brilliant? It's like that's not going to work. Yeah, you yeah. can't. That's skip a terrible yeah. idea. Yeah, first, first, first that? single, first single he releases is Revolution Number Nine, and he's like, "Why isn't this selling? It's fucking brilliant." <laughs> <is> this shit. <laughs> I just thought I'd jump straight to the really cool experimental stuff. I do like the Beatles, by the way. I do want to preface this: like, I don't have a problem with the Beatles. No, but fuck, fuck Richard Curtis. <laughs> isn't it? Isn't the some part that film where John Lennon wasn't killed as well? So technically, he's still alive. Oh, like, that's, he's, that's because a bit the Beatles was the thing. Yeah. Because the Beatles weren't big. Yeah, yeah. He didn't have a stalker that yeah. killed him. Oh, what? So there's a John Lennon in that film? Yeah. Ooh. What are you doing with my songs? <laughs> Nothing, Ringo. We want John. No, that was Ringo. <laughs> We're doing nothing with your songs like normal. <laughs> Even with a sore throat. <laughs> There's a lovely bit in uh, in Get Back where um, Ringo comes in and he's he's like, oh, I've been writing a song. And he starts playing Octopus's Garden on the piano and, and George Harrison comes along and basically gifts him like the whole melody from the song saying, oh yeah, how about this? And like jamming away with him. He's like, oh yeah, that's pretty good. And then, yeah, that's that basically what Octopus's Garden became. I just, it just reminds me of that fucking Family Guy sketch where Ringo Starr comes in and says, I've wrote a song and they'll go, right, we'll put it on the fridge where everyone can read it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, poor Ringo. Peace and love. Peace and love. <laughs> I am warning you. Peace and love. With peace and love. <laughs> I bloody love them. I bloody love them. So, okay, so back to the question. Yes. So, we were asked, <laughs> where you're the only one who knows about Red Dwarf, what is your version of Dwarf Lolly with full creative control in 2022? You would have to start from the beginning. You'd have to basically mm. make the end. And <laughs> you'd have to, you couldn't just start from the middle of the show and go in. You can't yeah. do that. You'd have to start from the end, the episode, the end, obviously. And then you have to build it up from there. And it's like you have to... But would would the end still work with Craig Charles, Chris Barry, Danny John Jules, Norman Lovett in 2022? <laughs> would it still work? No. That's the thing. It, it no. requires... What would, the they, what would any of those people be doing without Red yeah, Dwarf God knows in what their lives? Doing. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, what would like, they, where would they Chris, be? Chris Barry would, you... would possibly be in a very similar position. But Craig Charles wouldn't be, I don't think. Danny probably would just have been in West End his entire life. Yeah, um, I think, yeah. And I don't think Robert would have got big at any point. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's a, it sounds cruel to those individuals, but I'm sure that they probably agree. I think Robert would have invested in technology. I think he'd have been more of a technology. <laughs> he'd have been a... a yeah. I mean that's exactly what he has done. Yeah, like he's. But I think that his his thread was always that way. Like he always was interested in kind of science fiction and technology and stuff. So I don't think that, that his timeline would would change that much. He was genuinely um, a web video pioneer. Was the man? Yeah. Like in yeah, quite absolutely. a significant way. He spent a lot of money putting web video up. Yeah, so he could have been the next YouTube sort of. CEO kind of person yeah. who could have been <laughs> if it wasn't for this bloody red dwarf and this acting getting in the way well, he could be a billionaire it's very much a crutch for a lot of these people isn't and it he, and he could have and he could have solved the, all the energy crisis and the fuel crisis he could have been because he'd have had the same morality and the same dedication to green issues My but God. he'd be a billionaire 
Red Dwarf's fucked it. So what I would Red Dwarf do, has ruined the planet. I would, as long as I had a perfect memory of like, because like this guy like automatically knowing how to play all the Beatles songs. Was he? A, is he a musician anyway, or something? He was a musician anyway. I think. He, I well, think yeah, so, I think yeah, he just yeah. knew. I think he just was that much of a Beatles fan. He could play them anyway. So it's fair, like, fair I'm which, which is yeah. Fair so enough. I'd have to have encyclopedia. But what I would do is I'd, I'd pitch the whole thing as a, a film, probably. I would make what we always talk about, like the per- the Red Dwarf, perfect Red the Dwarf, Infinity larger film. scale, yeah, yeah, do the Infinity film, and then just just cast as as people as close to the original cast as possible. Well, that's like assuming, Gary Wilmot. yeah, <laughs> the Gary Wilmot of space. <laughs> um, but but then it wouldn't it wouldn't get picked up. It wouldn't get picked up in twenty twenty two. They're like, oh ah, you'd have to do it as a YouTube thing. You'd have to do it as an independent YouTube thing. I think it would get made, but with a young cast of whoever the 2022 equivalents of that cast were in 1988. Mm. So Bill Bailey for Holly. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Bailey for president. Uh, you could pitch it the way that Robin Doug did and try and get like the biggest current comedies, like get Peter Kay to be the captain or something like that mm. and do the thing of killing off all the big characters. I think it would oh. work. You'd have to... The One decision to make would be, do you go down the Red Dwarf USA route and introduce Crichton early? Yeah, I think you could do that. And have Crichton there full-time from the start. I think you would definitely have women in it because mm-hmm. it's so bloody work these days that you can't even <laughs> exclude half the population from your <laughs> show. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I've... We've discussed before that the difficulty with Rimmer and Lister's relationship is that they kind of have to be the same gender as each other. Otherwise, yeah. the power dynamic is a bit weird either way. So maybe they're both women and Cat and Holly are men. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. yeah. Or Cat and Holly are women and Lister and Rimmer are both men. I think it would work as a series, but I don't think it would, even if it's really good and really popular, I don't think it would have the longevity to last for 70 odd episodes. No. Because sitcoms don't tend to do that anymore. I'm also thinking of like Netflix and an Amazon Prime thing. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Could even be animated. And it sounds weird, but you could even get away with like like the Lower Decks thing, the Star Trek thing that's that's appeared. I've lost track of the Star Trek things that have appeared, if I'm perfectly honest with you. I just know Lower Decks is more like a sort of like a self aware, not parody, but just like a very aware Star oh, Trek okay. animation. I would be interested actually in if I woke up in a world where Red Dwarf never happened. I would be interested to see what sci-fi looks like, like, and and to in order to gauge what Red Dwarf's actual influence was, because it's really hard to tell, like what Red Dwarf's influence is on, say, things like Avenue Five or the Orville, or like, well, I guess the Orville mm. is one hundred percent Star Trek, really. But like, how much cultural impact does Red Dwarf actually have, or is it just this perpetually outsider show that basically exists in a vacuum, which it can sometimes feel like? It does feel like sort of like the um, the, the trouble child. <laughs> it does, yeah. Like, like you you you'd be forgiven for thinking if Red Dwarf never happened, then I mean, for a start, you wouldn't have data. But other than that, <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah. Maybe it was an influence on Deep Space Nine, or maybe was it? Deep, I can't. I don't know any Star Treks, but the um, one Voyager. that was in Deep Space and and. Well, why wasn't Deep Space Nine the one that was set in deep space? That's more the Babylon Five one because they're on a space station. They're not on a. They're not on a lost spaceship trying to find Earth. Voyager Uh, is very Red Dwarf, apart from the fact that it's shit. (laughs) But yeah, is that just Red Dwarf fans 
putting two and two together or was it or was Red Dwarf an actual yeah. influence yeah that's true there's also the clues is it the Star Trek TNG episode that's a bit like thanks for the memory yeah um, but yeah I think you're right I don't think as much as we love Red Dwarf and have based our entire life on it I don't think that the British comedy landscape would be that much different if Red Dwarf never existed yeah. because it was always the outsider and as successful as it was and you know the highest rated show on BBC2 at the time and winner of an international Emmy and British comedy awards and everything else as big as it was and still is to an extent nothing ever was really affected by it yep. like maybe maybe Chris wouldn't have done the British Empire if he wasn't already a star from Red Dwarf that's probably about it like Captain Butler probably wouldn't have been made <laughs> again that's not going to have a huge dent yeah. on, on British culture I mean could we say that Hyperdrive would not have existed if Red Dwarf had not been a thing because Hyperdrive is probably the closest thing yeah Hyperdrive wouldn't have existed so I mean it could like pound for pound it could be a better it, it could be for the best just to erase Red Dwarf in the in the yeah, the It's a Wonderful Life um, Red Dwarf edition, <laughs> where Doug gets visited by an angel when he's thinking of jacking in Red Dwarf, and they conclude, yeah, actually, <laughs> Robert Llewellyn's a billionaire who saves the planet, and Hyperdrive doesn't get made. <laughs> Fuck it off, mate. <laughs> Considering it's a comedy show, it's not launched any comedy careers, if you think about it. Because Chris Barry's no. was already on the up. Craig's never done comedy since. Captain Butler. Craig's never done comedy since. Um, <laughs> neither has Robert, really. Neither has Danny. Like they've all they've all reverted back to type. The Crouches. Danny's not done any comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Crouches, man. Do you remember when like that was that was literally like that was the main thing that Gene T had to report on yeah. was the Crouches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck me. Awful. As Danny himself pointed out at DJ. It was heralded as the BBC's first sitcom <laughs> about a black family, and it was written by a white man from Glasgow. Yeah. <laughs> that was only 20-odd years ago, less than 20 years ago, if G&T were covering it. And that seems so alien now that you would commission a series about a black London family and not have a writer a who was black and from London. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's two different damning things about that, the fact that, that if that was actually the first sitcom revolving around a black family on the BBC then 2004 yeah, is too late, <laughs> and then also yeah. the, the production <laughs> problem there um, yeah. but no, you're right that, that, wouldn't, that would be absolutely unheard of these days and so you know, progress yeah. maybe, maybe you know, things are better <laughs> than they used to be I think so, I, we've come to the conclusion, as we said, that Maybe the world would have been better off without Red Dwarf. Better off without it. Well, we're glad. So just leave it be. (laughs) I wouldn't be better off without it. No, I was (laughs) going to say personally, all three of us would be absolutely not better off. We'd be fucked. Well, we wouldn't be fucked, but it'd be very different lives, right? I don't think I'd ever have been fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we know that between us, there are at least two children that wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Red Dwarf. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God! The, 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 I mean, we've got friends galore. There's, there's just children everywhere yeah. that exist because of Red Dwarf. There's probably grandchildren now that exist because of Red Dwarf. Uh, that's. I think that's true. Yeah, I think, I think we in DJ a couple of DJs ago. We definitely saw a third generation of people, which was yeah. kind of yeah. insane. Terrifying. Terrifying. Yeah. 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 Well, there's time over thirty years. 
Yeah, plenty of time because absolutely first generation fans. You know, if they were thirties, forties, then you got plenty of time, people. Plenty of time. Dear God, <laughs> you know that um, his, 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 this is. I'm sorry. There always has to be a football reference. Can you hear me shaking my head? So Ian Wright had a had a son who played football, and in my mind, this son is still in his twenties, but his son has just started playing professional football. So like. Ian Wright's grandson is now playing professional football. And I don't think anything has made me feel as old as that, mm. to be honest, because yeah, I so exactly. distinctly remember, oh, that's cool. Ian Wright's son plays football now. Yeah. You know, he's a professional footballer. You've gone one, you've gone one yeah. level deeper. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. it's bad. It's bad enough that, yeah, when players that you remember coming through as hot prospects retire yeah. and, become, and become managers. Or yeah, like Wayne Rooney. <laughs> that's one thing. Yeah. Old men talking about an old TV show. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't no place in the whole of cyberspace. <laughs> right, we have some waffles in the pile, but we we don't know the answers to all of them. So our final full waffle for this session is coming from a young lad. is written into the to the podcast. Very enthusiastic. Let's be let's all be very nice to him. He's a <laughs> he's a bit nervous. So Danny Stevenson. He says you've just taken the luck virus. It lasts five minutes. How would you use it? Obvious answer, but the correct one is to take it at a bookmaker's. Yeah, okay. Just... So you're somehow able to do all your betting and become a millionaire within the first 30 seconds. What do you do with the rest of the five minutes? <laughs> Four minutes, 30 seconds. So here's the thing. So this is this is where my, my, my brain thought about this a fair bit, right? So let's assume you have bought a lottery ticket. For those five minutes, the world would align where if you bought a lottery ticket five minutes before the draw, you would win because the, the the balls would come out. Just because you bought a lottery ticket within the five minutes you had the luck virus doesn't mean your numbers are going to come up. So this yeah. we've had we've had a similar discussion to this. Is that does the luck virus actually change causality? Does it actually change the physical world uh, to fit your you to it make you lucky? You to align better with the world. Is how right. I would describe so it. So in that case, if you take it and buy the tickets and then two days later it's the draw, I would say yeah. you would win. Because you but you chose the tickets while you were lucky. But you chose the tickets while you were lucky, but when the draw was you wasn't. Yeah, I know, but that would only be that would only be the case if the luck virus physically changed the world rather than aligned you with the world. So if it's aligning you with the world with causality, then when you pick the numbers is the only important time. At that Whereas, time the numbers would have come up when you bought the ticket. But chaos. Yeah is a thing so i think you'd have to yeah you'd have yeah. to assume that the lottery numbers for a particular draw say next friday's draw in this scenario <laughs> have already been uh determined and they're they're fixed right. and they're not going to change if that was the case then it doesn't matter when you buy the ticket if you're lucky then you'll win but in the in all the time and all the chaos theory that happens between you buying the ticket and the draw happening right. The numbers might so you'd have to just keep swigging change. it for like. There is nothing to say that you couldn't buy a lottery ticket on Friday and be hit by a truck on the Sunday because just because you've got a luck virus doesn't mean that you're going to be unlucky the day after. I know, yeah, but buying a lottery ticket has no effect on what the truck's doing because it's not related. 
What if it's um, a Camelot truck that's come to collect all the tickets <laughs> that have been bought? And there was an extra you, you, you one. You get your winnings. You get your winnings delivered in a truck in five pounds. So look is more of an irony, an irony fixing. It's machine. anti-irony. Yeah, <laughs> it's more like a bronzy or a goldy. <laughs> uh, yeah, the look virus things always kind of confuse me in terms of. I don't know why I asked the question to be honest with you. It's fucking, <laughs> fucking waste of time. <laughs> But I suppose, yeah, you could just literally walk into, like, say you walk into a bookies and you just put a bet on a horse. Yeah. But then again, it's like getting enough money to make it worth your while, but you just could could accumulate. But then again, you know, if you just walked into a bookies and put five quid on something that was a thousand to one, one again, and you kept doing that over and over again, people would then start getting suspicious. Uh, Well, it's like professional. You couldn't couldn't do that within a five minute period either. No. Yeah, a casino is probably the best bet. You literally take all your money, convert it into chips, and then spend the, the five minutes oh, getting as many risk. chips as possible. <laughs> it's not with the look virus. You'd have to you have to validate that the look virus actually works first. Right? Yeah, you'd test it out, <laughs> and you'd have to set a very strict timer to make sure you're not going over the five minutes. <laughs> oh fuck! <laughs> well, and also you'd have to have the debate we're having right now pretty fucking straight as well like does it matter <laughs> whether you do you need to be constantly under the influence until you finish the transaction or does it only matter mm. when you've uh, made the bet here's the funny thing what if you're just immune <laughs> you're just <laughs> one of the... immunity. so unlucky you're so no 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 if he just doesn't so work unlucky, for you they're immune to the look <laughs> oh does the look virus override that immunity is like oh I'm lucky enough not to be immune because I had the look virus that I was immune to oh shit <laughs> bloody Bill Gates <laughs> so in Last Human the look virus is used to invent things right and to make things which it kind of is in quarantine as well yeah, yeah kind of to an extent so a more productive way of doing it would be to sort of prep in advance get a shitload of raw materials in front of you and and, and like a good computer and, and whatever take the look virus and try and guess the magic formula for time travel or or a cure for cancer to be less selfish about it yeah or like try and use your five minutes to to formulate something that's going to that you know, when the look virus wears, if you invent a cure for cancer during that five minutes, that's still going to be the cure for cancer afterwards. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And that, to be honest, that backs up my argument about you only need the look virus while you're picking the tickets. Yeah, you don't need to be under the influence of the look virus while everyone with cancer you, uh, is treated with your cure in order to make sure that it works. Yeah, right. I see what you mean. In this completely hypothetical situation that isn't real. <laughs> yeah. I'm more perturbed that I was more <laughs> my first thought was <laughs> time travel and then, and then oh yeah. <laughs> oh world hunger fart. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that thing. Yeah. Climate change, <laughs> energy crisis, migrant crisis, war. It's not as immediately obvious how you can use the look virus for non-selfish reasons though like i don't buy the whole like if i just write any old shit down it'll happen to be what i want it to be the cure for cancer or anything like that i feel like you need to have a basis in order to do it like you would need to be a doctor or you know a research doctor you'd need to be close you you would need to be close and then have enough luck to tip you over the edge like like you wouldn't be able to win the lottery if you had no idea what the lottery was how to play the lottery (laughs) <laughs> if you'd never heard oh, of what the rules before. are yeah well you might because you might just be walking down the street and a, a ticket blows into that's, your face that's true yeah and it happens to be the winning ticket also 
and here's, here's another here's another factor is how strong the virus is like look is obviously incredibly subjective but like look could be mm. as simple as i didn't stub my toe on that thing i should have stubbed my toe on <laughs> yeah. or i have arranged my molecules into that of a ford fiesta like that, that that's <laughs> yeah. the do you know what i mean that's the level of kind of probability that you're dealing with where like we, you know it's it, if you're lucky enough you could walk through a wall exactly yeah. that so yeah technically speaking if you're lucky your atoms would be in such an alignment that they could just pass through solid matter yeah but the chance of that happening are just absolutely yeah, astronomical. astronomical so yeah a mild dose of luck would it, well yeah a mild dose of luck might allow you to hit a bullseye with a dart thrown over your, Love your shoulder. shoulder but you'd have to have a really high extreme dose to be able to do anything actually useful yeah to do anything kind of like of actual significance yeah. and kind of like with where the where the probability is just off the charts i mean we've touched on this but like using the look virus to invent like whatever the fuck it is that cat invented in last human is total bullshit <laughs> it is the worst type of narrative cheating it is egregious oh my god <laughs> What is what egregious? Is egregious? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's an, it's an interesting. What That's do you funny. think? You mentioned in the comments what you well, think. What do you? When you think? comment down below, but don't forget to smash that bell. <laughs> and when you finish doing that, <laughs> leave us a comment. I never get that. Like, make sure you ring the bell so YouTube notifies you. It's like I, the way I use YouTube is that I primarily browse it by my subscription, so like I don't miss any yeah. videos. Because no, I don't want a fucking push notification on my no. phone to tell me because I'm not watching YouTube at that point. Yeah, like who? I go on YouTube and go and look at what's there. I don't need to be. Yeah, there. exactly. Although I think I did put notifications on for like Dave's YouTube channel in about 2012 when they were posting loads of yeah. <laughs> Red Dwarf 10 <laughs> behind the scenes videos. Yeah, that's true. That was different. Well, by a stroke of luck, we're nearing uh, the end of the podcast. Possibly all waffles. <laughs> the end of all waffles. <laughs> yeah, we didn't exactly have an overwhelming response when we put the call out for waffles on this time, and we suspect that we might have cut, talked about everything yeah. <laughs> at this stage. Everything ever. One of my favourite games podcasts, like, and it's very popular, and a lot of people listen to it, but recently they, they just said, like, literally all questions have stopped being sent. They are just getting no more <laughs> listener questions than they used to get, dozens and dozens every month. We've, ju- we've, ju- we, I think we might have completed talking about. <laughs> yeah, <people>. I think <laughs> so. But obviously, there will be future waffles when we do specific subcategory waffles along, yeah. <laughs> along like the way that we did Blackadder and mm. Young Ones waffles. But anyway, that's. <laughs> it's a nice tight trilogy. That was a tasty little trilogy. Tasty little trilogy. In 20 years, we'll have a, a, a meta fourth instalment that half the people hate and half the people think is genius. That is a Matrix reference. Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, apart from the bit where I said nice tight trilogy because the original trilogy is only one third good. <clears throat> Carry on. Speaking of meta stuff, the thread has been started on GNT in the last few days as we record this called Suggestion for a Dwarf Cast. Uh, so to f- to round off this waffle special, we're just going to go through a few of the ideas that have been submitted for future dwarfcasts. Some of which actually are quite good. <laughs> yes, <laughs> genuinely have gone on our list. <laughs> we might do in the future. But it was started by Ori Studfarm saying, "I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts on the BBC's preferred alternative to Red Dwarf in 2006, Hyperdrive." 
My thoughts on Hyperdrive <laughs> are that I do not want to watch Hyperdrive. Again. Yeah, it would be interesting for someone to cover it, but I don't think we wouldn't have fun with that, would we? Such a disappointment, considering uh, the cast and is the main thing. Do you remember all the shit that was being talked about Red Dwarf by reviewers mm. of Hyperdrive? It's like, oh, this is brilliant. It's so much better than what those nerds in their mum's basement watch, Red Dwarf. Yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. That's all we have to say about it. Was the actual... Kathleen Moran quote about oh yeah I think it was or one of them was that her review of Hyperdrive yeah one one of them was every now and then she throws a random dig at, at Red Dwarf fans. yes it was it was her review of Hyperdrive yeah on the twelfth of January two thousand six <laughs> where she said. <laughs> The writers of the original Red Dwarf have become rich beyond their wildest dreams, primarily from the let's get the smeg out of here t-shirts millions. In the event of their wealthy, sybaritic lifestyles catching up with them, they could easily commandeer the healthy internal organs of untouched virgin acolytes from virtually any IT department in Britain. What an unpleasant woman. Yeah. That is very unpleasant. I mean, you know, you know Red Dwarf fans aren't the most vulnerable community she's uh, had a go at, but <laughs> still, like, she's just... Just, just awful. Just awful. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> we might do a dwarf cast on that. Just Caitlin Moran <laughs> special. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when she read out slash fiction, uh, Sherlock slash fiction, from yeah. some um, you know non-consenting writer, basically, uh, to Benedict Cumberbatch, Cumberbund, and, yeah, Cumberbund, and Tim, Tim from, from the, the office. office. Just sneering, awful. <laughs> yeah. Ridley suggests the Vindaluna launch commentary. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it's still... (laughs) The video itself I don't think exists anymore. Oh, you know what? We didn't even think at the time to fucking archive that, did we? It must exist in some form somewhere. (laughs) I'd hope so. Our news article from the time has got lots of stills and sort of live commentary on the key moments. So I think that's a good snapshot of the <laughs> of the day, <laughs> which was so so funny. And um, coming up to ten years ago, just to <laughs> further <laughs> emphasise the passage of time, there is a, a Vindaluna highlight video on um, a, yeah from Dave. On YouTube. Yeah, is there? Yeah. yeah. Excellent. But it's just like one a minute and thirty minutes of what didn't go wrong. I don't think it involves the cat that jumped in the box. Um, yeah. And the woman said, "Fuck EA Sports." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was a time when Twitch was just in TV. It Let was... me tell you, sit down, children. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my. God. Oh yeah, of course. It was just in TV. It was just in yeah. That they used for it. Yeah. Which it, yeah, now Twitch. Um, I don't know if you want to put this in, but wasn't your Vindaluna um, live blog essentially um, being followed by Doug Naylor while he was on a train? <laughs> <laughs> Richard Naylor was tweeting at the time um, and saying, yeah, we agree. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is a shambles. <laughs> I mean, there must have been just times with the fucking head I mean, hands, man. And, and the wrong fucking date on the thing, wasn't there? Yeah, <laughs> that was the coup de grace. We talk about Vindaluna like, oh, it's such a low point, blah, blah, blah. That was a fucking brilliant day. Like, it we, was, were, it, we were oh, having yeah. a good time really of our lives. It was such a batshit event, but oh, just like, yeah, it was, it was so exciting. Yeah, so uh, I've come to like actually enjoy <laughs> as a tradition of Dave's promotional stunts going a bit wrong <laughs> when it came to the the commentary that they did for um, quarantine, like a few days before the Promised Land, which was hilarious because it was clearly <laughs> just, uh, we'll make our own commentary. Concept. Yeah. <laughs> 
there'd been a couple of Rob, Paul and Ed ones and he's like, right, fuck it, I'm going to do my own. But they did it not quite live. They did it pre-recorded and were supposed to like go live on, on Periscope at the, at the right time, but they didn't. And so it all went wrong and... The resolution was tiny, 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 like uh, a yeah. vertical stack of six different people. On a mobile phone. Uh, which, <laughs> which even on a vertically held mobile phone was still only taking up about a quarter of the screen. <laughs> but it, it, as I was writing all that up that night, I wasn't angry or disappointed or, or anything about it. I was just hugely amused <laughs> and kind of like, I don't like Red Dwarf. They get the big things right with promoting Red Dwarf. Like they do billboards and they do yeah. you know, posters on the tube. Mm. They do, you know, they, there's loads and loads of press that the the cast go out and do interviews and whatnot. And the viral stuff. Yeah, yeah viral stuff's always really good. They do broadcast stuff. They were on um, GMB or Lorraine or whatever it was, weren't they, around the time? Mm. And so having these extra stunts that are only supposed to appeal to the hardcore fans but are complete shit is just <laughs> it's just the icing on the cake. It gives us something to really amuse ourselves with. If it went completely fine and nothing happened, it wouldn't be memorable. But because it yeah. went wrong, like there's no way that's intentional. But, you know, no. <laughs> God fucking knows how marketing works because marketing <laughs> is a whole world of subterfuge and sleight of hand so god knows what the fuck they were actually planning but yeah it's just such a batshit idea well yeah you're right there's no way that 10 years later we'd even remember the name vindaluna if it had gone gone well swimmingly swimmingly, yeah we'd have been like oh do you remember that thing that happened it was like yeah yeah, vaguely, yeah, that thing where they sent a lager to space. It, was, it, it must have been a company that was doing shit like this, because, like, Tom Scott's got a video where he sends garlic bread into space in exactly the same, <laughs> exactly the same setup, you know, like, it's a, it's a big, like, weather yeah, balloon yeah, yeah, type with thing. Yeah, 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 with the camera. Yeah, yeah, I remember that, yeah. And then he ate it, yeah. And, <laughs> but, yeah, must have been like, you know, oh, we got this weather balloon, let's hire it out for promotional things. Anyway, we've got a few more ideas here. Flapjack wants us to do commentaries on every single episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, the direct inspiration for Red Dwarf. <laughs> I think you'll find I want Patrick Stewart to do commentaries on Red Dwarf. <laughs> International Debris suggests Dwarf Fast. Ian Capsi and Danny do a commentary on every film in the Fast and Furious series played consecutively, fueled only by curry and leopard lager. No, we couldn't. Uh, we couldn't be fueled by curry because we'd have to fast throughout the process as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> And that's like how many films are there? About nine. Nine now. Nine, yeah. nine now. There will be another. Yeah, there's loads of commissioned. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's wait until it's. It's one of the most yeah. unlikely. <laughs> it's, it's really strange. It's a bit like how Saw kind of ended up like that, didn't it? Like it almost felt like just this could be just an infinite franchise that would never end. And there's no well, real yeah, reason why why that happens Halloween. to be the case. Like, why is this mediocre car film, um, <laughs> <laughs> like? untouchable like i don't understand like anyway dave suggests the young ones special dwarf cast in which ian captain and Danny discuss psychoanalytical theory for half an hour before answering a pile of waffles that mostly revolve around freudian explanations for rimmer's personality <laughs> i mean there's definitely something in terms of the philosophy of red dwarf that absolutely needs to be um, addressed at some point yeah yeah i mean since i since can't the, possibly but... fucking comment because i'm not a philosopher yeah. or but people more knowledgeable by it than us. I don't know if it's good enough to, for this uh, magazine, it's good enough for us. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, someone with a basic interest in philosophy, then you know, one of my favorites is another one from Dave, <laughs> which is the Dwarfcast Cook Club. 
which is Ian Capsi and Danny read the four Red Dwarf novels to a chef until he cries. It's <laughs> 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 uh, genuinely one of my favourite things. Quinn Drummer has the Wharf cast. Um, Ian Capsi and Danny take a look at all the different wharfs situated along Britain's river and canal system. Like at this point, I think I'd, I'd have that. At this point, this is the contents of Partridge's like voice memo machine, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Warbadog, the Smegazine rack, interactive partwork podcast that instructs viewers on how to pulp their smegazines after each issue is covered to eventually make a big pair of papier-mâché tits. <laughs> Once the tits are finished, the remaining smegazines are folded to make an origami-style bra for the tits. <laughs> Oh my god! And one of my favourite ones to say, never mind to read, is uh, Dwarfcast Bugrub. Ian Capsi and Danny share their top mini beast massage tips. That's from Wobbadog. <laughs> Incidentally, worms don't like being stroked. I'll just say that. Have they? Have they told you? Yeah, they were like, "No, I don't like it. Stop it." Do you know how you find out which end of the worms its head? Oh. Tickle it in the middle and see which end laughs. <laughs> That's such a cute joke. It's good, isn't it? <laughs> So it's one of those jokes that he's like, oh, is this a danger joke? Yeah, I wasn't sure. I was like, oh, I'll like, oh, cut it in half and see what happens. It's a bit like, how do you find Will Smith in the snow? Look for the Fresh Look Prince. Look for the Fresh Prince. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> what do you call a black aeroplane pilot? A pilot, you fucking <laughs> racist. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Where were we? Yeah. <laughs> uh, another one from Dave. The cast dwarf cast casting dwarf cast. New GNT format in which Ian Capsi and Danny are replaced by the band behind 90s pop hit Walk Away, who interview the lead actors from the show Red Dwarf while learning how to fish, releasing the whole thing as an on demand audio <laughs> recording. I think we're starting to see as well like the, the sheer amount of crossover between our community and Lee and Herring fans. Because <laughs> yeah. that's a very Lee and Herring <laughs> format, that one. This is going because it doesn't make it, because we can't explain. Oh, I imagine if you want to put a link in the show notes, we can do, but absolutely brings to mind Handy Andy's Andy Wall, Handy Wall Holders. <laughs> my favourite things I've ever seen in my life. If that is still exists in a public place on the internet, I'll put uh, that yeah. in. <laughs> so, speak, in the speaking of being influenced by Lee and Herring. <laughs> <laughs> Clem suggests instance reactions Ian, Danny and Capsi record themselves playing National Lottery scratch cards <laughs> Touching upon one of our waffle topics That's a good point, yeah An actual serious <laughs> suggestion from Dave would be a dwarf inspired food dwarf cast Trout a la creme, beer milkshakes, a triple fried egg chilli chutney sandwich Chamois kebab diablo, kippers vindaloo Fresh strawberry waffles <laughs> A toffee crisp and an edible pot noodle. That would be... If there's another opportunity for us to meet in person again for... And it's not a DJ, we absolutely should prepare some sort of foodstuffs to be consumed mm-hmm. during the podcast. During a live street, live video stream. Live yeah. video stream. Everyone, everyone's favourite audio content is listening to people eat. Uh, oh, I mean, it absolutely has to be something that's... Been, yeah, it has to be something visible, because that would be awful. I listened to a podcast <laughs> yesterday that involved people testing tea, and I nearly threw up. Ugh. Because it's yeah. still one of the worst sounds on the planet. One of the noises I irrationally hate when listening to a podcast is if the hosts have decided that they're going to like drink, like you know, whiskey or wine or something. Every now and then, just hearing them like like glug glug glug, lift, like uh, filling up a glass. For some reason, it just goes right through me. It's for me, it's the noise of the mouth moving, like when while someone's speaking, and you can hear a lot of the 
I could describe it as Wait, the juice you... of their face. It's how... horrible. <laughs> how do you ever listen to Muse then? What do you mean? I mean, his mouth noises are constant and numerous. <laughs> Belligerent and numerous. <laughs> Have you listened, like, listened to Dead Star and like, uh, uh, I guess the vibe? But like, he, he's constantly smacking his lips and. I've never really noticed it. Noticed. Never yeah. really noticed it. Oh, well, sorry. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I didn't I'm say. I didn't say that. Views for me. Brilliant. <laughs> well done. My least favourite noise to hear in a Here podcast is Capsy. There we go. Yep. <laughs> it was either me or it was going to be uh, the garbage podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I don't listen to that. No, okay. <laughs> and finally, there are more in the thread, which we'll link to in the show notes, but finally for now, plus one uh, suggested by Clem, series of commentaries for whatever programme was on BBC Two or Dave an hour earlier than the original broadcast <laughs> of each episode of Red Dwarf. <laughs> that would be quite good fun to research, actually, yeah. what was on. I mean, I know for a fact that, I mean, if we had to do it for every single episode of Red Dwarf, then there'd be a lot of Gardener's World we'd be watching. <laughs> um, uh, in the not... repeat runs. Yeah, the repeat runs. But also, that was always... This was back in the days of half-hour shows, basically, which don't tend to be a thing anymore. Mm, Everything is 45 minutes as a minimum, regardless of the channel. But Gardener's World would have only been on half an hour before Red Dwarf, oh, in good most point. cases. Yeah. We could do a little segment where we, we dig out old Radio Times and actually get this I think an article might be... Yeah? Add that to the list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love that. Love that. Because I think on Dave, it's um, it might always be QI on Dave. <laughs> it could possibly be that every single new episode of Dave Dwarf has been preceded by QI. <laughs> Either that or Top Gear. Yeah, that is... But yeah, I'd be very interested to find out, you know... <laughs> An average week in 1988, what was on BBC Two at eight o'clock? It almost always would have been the the comedy night, you know, hour and a yeah. half of, of shows, right? And Red Dwarf would have been the middle one or the last one. Dwarf was always nine o'clock, though. Is that like the start so of the night? It would always be the first yeah, the of the first comedy show. So yeah. Is that the first? I thought it started at eight. No, it usually comedy zone on BBC Two was nine till half ten. Ah, right, that makes. Uh, with news night on. Rabsy Nesbit and things like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Totally so yeah, I think most of the time it would be gardening or lifestyle type programs on BBC Two in the nineties at eight o'clock. Well, let's at some point in the next twenty odd years we'll do that as an article yeah, yeah. because that is quite an interesting <laughs> point that Clem raises. <laughs> but until such a point, all that remains is to say thank you for listening to this here Dwarfcast. We liked it. <laughs> I hope you liked it too. Um, that one was running away from you from like the second word. Yeah. <laughs> but it was it was nearly smooth. <laughs> we don't currently uh, want any more waffles because <laughs> it doesn't matter whether we ask for them or not. You know. But if you want to talk to us about anything, you can leave us a comment over www.ganymede.tv or you can tweet us. Twitter handle is Ganymede Titan. Okay. So this should give you an idea of the kind of person we're working okay. with. Okay. Our next Dwarfcast will be the Smegazine Rack Issue 3. Woohoo! Hey. But until next time, thank you so much for listening. Stay warm, stay safe, stay happy. Staley Bridge Station Buffet Bar dates back to 1885. It retains many of its original features, and travellers and townspeople alike can still enjoy a pint or a cup of tea there, surrounded by mementos of an earlier time, and watched over by the image of Queen Victoria etched in the glass of the great mirror that hangs over the fire. Fucking terrifying. And as always, Ed bye, everybody. Ed bye. Thank you for listening to GNT Dwarfcast, and we hope sometime in the future you'll decide to listen to our Dwarfcast again. Have a safe onward journey. Goodbye. Goodbye.
<laughs> Wee! I'm, just gonna turn, uh, um, okay, I'm gonna turn the light on. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. ready. That's why you like Donna so much. You're essentially the same. Uh, you like playing with <laughs> cords. They both play with the keys in the back door to try and get out. <laughs> They're teaching each other. Oh, yes, it is your mummy. Ben. Hiya. Hiya. Are you going to come downstairs with mummy? Daddy won't be too long, I think, because we're nearly out of waffles. In my mind, son is still in But son started playing. The internet did not want to hear your anecdote about football caps. It's gone <laughs> off. You have to wait until your internet connection comes back. Caps, he will have finished the anecdote now, and he will be back shortly. <laughs> Meanwhile, his little music. He's, now, he's wondering why no one is reacting do, to his brilliant anecdote. That's quantum leap. Why am I that's quantum leap. Yeah. It sounds like whole music in my head. That's what, that's what it does. Okay. Fuck's sake. Hello. Capsi, and welcome to Dwarfcast. <laughs> yeah, Sean Wright Phillips' son is now playing football. Um, Ridley suggests uh, Vindalula. <laughs> Vindalula! <laughs> I'm watched over by the image of Queen Victoria etched in the glass of the great mirror that hangs over the fire. Fucking terrifying. And as always... <laughs> we are most bemused. <laughs> I have been eating buffet bar food for 20 years and I will continue to eat buffet bar food until my connection arrives. <laughs>